Or is he blocked? Does he block high? Does he block yep. low? Here it comes. Kyle Bush to the middle. Shooting a gap. No help with Kyle Bush. Oh, Suarez right alongside him. Three wide. Off Look turn at this. four. Here they come to the flag. Three abreast. Photo finish. How about, I think it's Blaney. Unbelievable. Three wide finish. Have you ever seen anything like that? Scoring. Scoring has the margin between the first three cars at 0.00 seconds. <laughs> Welcome into awesome another edition of the Up Speed Podcast. He's Dalton Molinax. I'm Tyler Head. Um, you know, we've been doing this podcast for like five years now. Um, rarely do I start an episode not really knowing where to start because we got treated to perhaps an all-time classic at Atlanta yesterday one of the closest and one of the greatest finishes in NASCAR history, just literally a flag to flag barn burner of a race that we're going to be talking about for a very long time. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's everything you want in a race. There was suspense. There was the finish. There was, you know, the drama of who won. I mean, I, I was at the race and had no idea who won. Um, I, I really thought Blaney won. Just- I didn't- eyeballing it watching it live i was like i I definitely thought blaney was ahead well and i I thought too like obviously he was on the bottom so i figured shortest way around the track yep get back to start finish line um obviously that wasn't the case and i mean here we go daniel suarez back in the the win column you know two races into the 2024 season yeah it's um i didn't see that coming and look he finished second i think last summer when it got rained out um so i mean he's a perfectly fine super speedway racer drafting track racer whatever we want to call it now um so that shouldn't really come as a surprise but like it was almost kind of like watching the last lap live you almost kind of didn't believe what was taking place you know what i mean because for one you're waiting for them to wreck because every drafting track we wreck on the last lap that's just what we do no way we can run green all the way to the checkers and then as Blaney's going down the back stretch and he's got that lead, and you're like, oh, he's in trouble. And here come Bush and Suarez side by side. And as they're, as they're going through four, three wide, it's like, oh, crap, we're about to have a three wide finish. Like this is going to be like cars, but in real life. And it quite literally almost was. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like, you know, it, it to me, what what made it so fun was, you know, like I said, I was at the track, so it's just, oh my gosh, look what's about to happen. But going back and watching it, what the part that was cool to me was like, you knew something was going to happen, and you sure. just assumed that it was going to be the big, the big wreck. Mm-hmm. But when we, when they got three wide going into three, I was like, oh my gosh, this is about it. And like that's like a fifteen second window from there to the start finish line. Sure. So it's not. It wasn't like you had, you know, it wasn't like they got three wide coming out of turn two at Daytona where you've got like 35 to 40 seconds to, you know, right. go have a cold beverage and come back and see the ending. It was like 10 to 15 seconds. And you're like, holy crap, this is about to. Yeah. And I thought, and look, I've been watching videos from the crowd all day of people that were recording it and getting their reactions. And there was just like this stunned sense of disbelief in like every video of like people like did i just see what i think i saw because and look we've been treated to good finishes over the years you know we had 
you know, Kyle and Kyle at Chicagoland in 2018. We had Kevin Harvick and Carl Edwards side by side at Phoenix in 2016. The Daytona 500 that was you know, a, a photo finish with Hamlin and, and Truex. Like these kind of finishes happen, but like never three wide outside of like that one race right. at Talladega. But again, that's more of your traditional super speedway with the tandem and all that kind of stuff. This was literally three cars that were broken, like far away from the pack. They they'd pulled away a little bit. Um, and just literally holding it to the floor and hoping they came across the line first. Right. Well, and, and that's the thing and, and the best part of it. And, you know, I was listening to part of Denny Hamlin's podcast today. He was like, kudos to those guys for not wrecking each other. Absolutely. You know, I mean, and that's, that's what you want. Like, could you, <laughs> could you imagine if that'd been the truck series? <laughs> hey, we'll get to this. The truck series kept their nose clean on Saturday. But it, it was a, it was a really good race, but it was just like, it was one of those is like three wide coming the checkered flag and you're like, oh gosh, we know where this is gonna oh. go. And that's what disappoints me a lot of the times when it comes to drafting track races is like you have all this anticipation building up to the white flag lap, like one more time around, who's gonna get back to the checkers and then coming off turn two, somebody wrecks and it's like, oh, let's go back to the scoring loops and see who yeah. was ahead. And we gotta use like this photo and this telemetry. I'm like, I just wanna see guys race back to the checkered flag. So I was very thrilled. And, th and this wasn't even a green white checkered either. There was, I think, four or five laps to go in that last restart. So you had a couple of laps to build up to it, guys getting a position and all that kind of stuff. And uh, legitimately, this is, I mean, I've seen a lot of people debating it. This has got to be a top three finish of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and that that's the thing is it's just one of those that, you know, it's, it's one of those races where you're like, you'll remember where you always remember where you were when it happened. Sure. Yeah. And, and those moments don't happen all the time. They really don't. No. And that's, that's good. It shouldn't happen all the time. That's what right. makes something like this special. If I got three wide finishes every single week, I wouldn't care about what happened yesterday. But the fact that we might go 10, 15 years without another one yeah. makes you appreciate what you saw. And you got to be there in person. Like you, I don't know if, if you have a souvenir or something from the race, be like, Hey, I was at yeah. that Atlanta race where they had the three wide finish. Like, and that's a story you're going to tell forever. Yeah. Yeah, you always have that. And that's, you know, you were talking about kind of the the crowd reactions. Jeff Luck's been really good about, like, quote tweeting or retweeting a, a bunch of them. And it's really cool. Like, everybody had the same reaction. You know, a lot of times when, when a driver wins, like, if it's, you know, if it's a well-known driver, like, if Chase Elliott wins, okay, everybody in Atlanta Motor Speedway, heck yeah, woohoo, let's go, you know, going crazy. Sure. But everybody had the same reaction. It was like, what did I just see and who just won? I mean, it yeah. was just, that was kind of cool because it wasn't, um, nobody really knew who won. And then yeah. I, I asked our credit, they were quick to, sure. to tell them who won. And, you know, it was just kind of like a, what so, did I just see? Like everybody had the same look on their face. It was so funny. It is very reminiscent to me of the Darlington 2003 finish, which I still contend is the greatest finish of all time. I would actually put this Atlanta up one third behind Atlanta 2001 with Harvick and Gordon, just because of the story and the meaning behind those two finishes, obviously. But I can guarantee you there was a lot of people in the crowd that didn't know who Ricky Craven was at Darlington in 2003. But they watched two cars, ill-handed cars, just bump and beat and bang for the final three, four, five laps and put on a show coming to the finish line. And they were up cheering for... 10 minutes after that one. So it's that kind of finish. We're like, who cares who wins? I freaking, I don't, Denny Hamlin could have won that race last night and people would have been going nuts and cheering no matter what, regardless of who the winner is. Right. So it just, an all time 
classic moment. And we'll we'll get to the race itself in a minute because there were plenty of moments throughout it. But we do need to talk about Daniel Suarez because he did win. Here's a guy that has kind of played second fiddle at track house racing ever since they brought in Ross Chastain. And again, he was the guy they helped start the team with 2021. You know, he's out there leading laps, the Bristol dirt race and they're, they're learning. And then they acquire Chip Ganassi racing and just kind of take it to this next level. But like all the big moments for track house have been Ross Chastain's him winning races, him doing the hail melon, you know, all that kind of stuff, these crazy moves and controversies that he himself in. And like Daniel Suarez has just kind of been there more than anything else. And you and I talked about this coming in the season. This is a big year for him because when he looks over his shoulder, he sees Zane Smith and he sees Shane Van Gisbergen that are coming for his seat. If he doesn't start performing this year and we'll see if they can continue to have speed on a week in week out basis, but being the first one to win and to lock yourself in the playoffs from that team, that's going to go a long way for him. Right. Well, and that was, you know, and I didn't like the question asked, I don't remember who asked it after the race, but, you know, asked Justin Marks, you know, was Daniel on the hot seat? But I really like the way he answered. He was like, you know, basically around here, we just take it day by day. Sure. You know, and, and we like him. He likes being here. And, you know, do, do we want him to get, make the playoffs? Yeah, we expect him to. And, you know, here he is. And, and that's the thing is like, you know, I'm not saying he's going to go out there and r- win 10 races this year. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he went the rest, rest of the year without winning. Right. But, you know, at the same point in time, we know he's talented. Okay. And we know that the 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 cars can, at Trackhouse continue to get better. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, maybe this is a big year for Trackhouse. Daniel Suarez, Ross Chastain, who knows? But, I, I mean, to, to get – to kind of take the monkey off your back in week two to kind of give yourself a chance to breathe has yeah. got for him. And, you know, again, Zane Smith is signed. He's doing this thing with um, um, uh, uh, Spire Motorsports this year on kind of like a loan program. But the uh, anticipation is that he'll be with Trackhouse in 2025. Look, Justin Marks has shown us he's not afraid to spend some money. If he needs to go out and buy a third charter or a fourth charter, if they want to bring SVG up, he'll probably go out and do that. So, so Daniel Suarez, if he goes out there and balls out this year, I don't think they're going to, you know, kick him out of the seat for somebody else. He can stick around and they'll make the other guys work. But a yeah. um, a really great way to start off the year for him. Um, and again, locks himself in the playoffs as long as we don't have 16 winners, which at this point, who knows what we're going to see this year because that that's the funny thing about Atlanta and, and Daytona being your first two races. And we'll dive into more of this in a minute. We're kind of looking ahead to, to Vegas. We still don't really know who's good and who's not. Oh. We know that from a drafting track standpoint, but from a traditional mile and a half standpoint, we don't know till next week. Yeah. There's big question marks still. So um, we'll get to that in just a moment. But I mean, there were so many things that happened in this race that were just Wow. Like I said, from start to finish, and yeah, there was a lot of cautions. It's pretty big wrecks, including the one on lap number two that can come with this, obviously. But like it was glued your eyes to the television type of racing. Austin Sendrick taking it four wide, the slingshot passes for the lead. Like Kyle Larson, who's probably hates super speedway racing more than anybody else in the world because he's just got such terrible luck at it. Even said after the race, like, yeah, that's pretty fun. Yeah. True X2. Yeah. Like this was and very much reminded me of like old school plate racing. I like Daytona before they repaved it when it was bumpy and a lot of characters. And you had like these 
kind of strung out type of packs where it was really like the same consistent guys up front dale jr denny hamlin kyle bush jeff gordon like it really rewarded the best drivers being up front i think you saw that on display a lot yesterday where again logano's up there leading laps keselowski kyle bush like it really was more than about more than just about putting your foot to the floor and hoping you got the right draft like you really had to drive around this place yeah there was definitely skill in it so i don't know what the future of atlanta is because and you shared a good picture of this on Twitter, the difference in the just the visuals of the asphalt between year one and now year number three, it's night and day. And again, this track's getting bumpier. It's getting more characters because of the hot summers and cold winters down there in Georgia. Um, I can't tell you how long this is going to be sustainable for, but NASCAR certainly going to milk it for all they can in the meantime. Um, and you know, even drivers coming into the weekend were critical, saying, "Well, I think I think the ship has sailed on the." you know, drafting and all that kind of stuff. I think we're going to be fighting, handling too much. And that was not the case. So, you know, we got what, seven, six, seven months till they come back for the race in, in the playoffs. And I don't know what's going to happen between now and then. And I don't know if it's going to look like this in the spring race a year from now, but um, you know, again, in terms of appreciating what you saw, we can at least live in the moment knowing we saw a fantastic race yesterday. Yeah. Well, that, and, and that's the thing is like, I don't know what ticket sales are like for that September race. And it's a playoff race. Um, but, you know, I, I, I've always been from the camp. I, I'm usually out of town when they come in July. But I'm always sure. like, I'm in July, it's going to be hot. It's going to be hot in September. But, if shoot, if they race like they did yesterday, sign yeah. me. I'll sweat it out. Yeah. And I, I, I do think it's strategic. That's also the opening weekend of the NFL where, you know, your ratings are going to start to dip at that point in time. You give them a race like that, I'm not saying you're gonna you suddenly start going head to head with some of these NFL games, but you'll get more you'll get some more interest than you have in years past. Definitely, definitely. So, um, excited to see what happens there. But I, and when you when you think about the backlash when Atlanta got changed mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and, and the drivers were against it, media was against it, most fans were against it. And look, I I understand, and I was very much you and I were both very much in the boat of. Well, let's see what happens and, and go from there. And again, I've been entertained by all these races. Now, again, does it end up being a normal mile and a half a year from now? Maybe, but I, it's really hard to guess. We're just kind of keep coming back to this place each and every year and, um, you know, seeing what it gives us. Right. So um, it, it does beg the question. A lot of people brought this up. What do you do with Texas? Because yeah. Texas is still irreverently broken. Um, they'll be going there in like a month from now and then they have a spring race. Um, and the conversation is Texas is going to get changed. Something's going to be changed about it. What that is, we don't know. I'd be really willing to bet Marcus Smith looked at yesterday and said, uh, Texas is going to get this too, which I'm not a fan of. I, I think less is more. Um, we definitely need because remember like road courses used to be the, Hey, why, we only get our two road courses a year. It's so fun. And then they added six more to the schedule. And now we're like, yeah, road courses, a little oversaturated. Don't do that with this. Keep Atlanta its own unique thing. As long as it can keep being this drafting track, you obviously have Daytona and Talladega, but like, don't say, well, we're going to have a drafting race every single month now, like too much. Yeah. Well, and one of the things you just said, makes perfect sense. Is like, you know, as, as much as Atlanta's changed in, in two years now. Right. You know, 
it may not be, you know, two more years from now, it may not be suitable for, for super speedway drafting. Yeah. You know, and it's like, don't put all your eggs into one basket. And that's why, look, I mean, we know Texas is a debacle. It's the reason they're down to one race at this point in time. Sure. And the biggest issue is turns one and two. We know that. Um, and, and hopefully they'll maybe just go back to the old configuration, you know, don't get too cute with it. Um, but you know, I, I hope they don't. Cause I know like, um, I was very against the Roval mm-hmm. replay the tapes. I was against that so much. And then after the first race at the Roval, I was like, Holy smokes, this is amazing. You know, and then that got turned into, well, maybe every mile and a half. I mean, we were struggling with mile and a half at that point in time. Cause sure. it pass anywhere. Sure. And like, you know, imagine if we turned everything else into a Roval. Now the Roval is not unique. That's what you look forward to is, is that unique track, you know, in the playoffs, you know, and like, that's, I think the intrigue with Atlanta now is it's not just a cookie cutter mile and a half anymore. It is a super speedway type track that for the most part, anybody can win on. And that's what excites me about Atlanta, regardless that even if, very soon to get to the point where drafting isn't feasible. Intermediate racing is still really good everywhere else. So it's like, okay, well, just give them the same package you give them at Charlotte and Texas and Vegas and all that kind of stuff and let them go. And I guarantee you that'll probably be a pretty good race too. So just because the drafting may go away in the next handful of years doesn't mean like, oh, well, Atlanta sucks now. Let's tear it up and, and try again or something like that. Like you can still have good racing just in a different style whenever the you know feasibility of drafting finally wears away. Right. So, um, but man, all in all, just a fantastic weekend. You got to be there for the Xfinity and truck doubleheader on Saturday. Um, and I know you said you asked Kyle Busch about this and neither one of us picked him, even though we knew he was probably going to win this race on Saturday. But um, I think we need to give credit where it's due. We've been critical of the truck series the past couple races because Phoenix last year, Daytona to start the season were embarrassing. They just tore up a bunch of stuff, looked like a bunch of children out there. They kept their nose clean in Atlanta on Saturday. It wasn't the, maybe the most exciting finish, but for a series that's been embarrassing itself more often than not lately, I'm okay with Saturday. It was honestly nice to just not have a big mess. It really was. Yeah, I do think, and we'll kind of group the Xfinity cars into this too. I think because cup cars have 510 as far as their horsepower at drafting tracks, uh, Xfinity and truck around 400. I just don't think they have enough juice to be able to do the same things the cup cars do because you know you can slingshot you can go high and low and i just feel like the xfinity and trucks are just more you know uh, aligned to just go single file which is what they did i mean the what the entire final stage of the xfinity race was just a one long train of them saving fuel and all that kind of stuff before all hell broke loose with the green white checker that everybody ran out of gas on um but i do think some tweaks could probably be made to both those series going forward at atlanta yeah and and you know i i was um obviously at the track and and it's funny how what and it's it's really with any sport but how different the takeaway can be when you're at the the venue versus when you're sitting at home in front of a tv sure and i so i thought i thought the truck race was actually a really good race 100 percent. and i knew when they got so single file in the xfinity race for a long period of time I knew everybody was going to be hating on that on social mm-hmm. media. I didn't have I didn't have very good cell service, so I wasn't able to um, 
to keep reloading Twitter and stuff. But I, but when we got a little bit out of the track after the race and got some better cell service, went back through and looked at it. And it was just, it was amazing to me how many people were hating on the Xfinity race. Sure. You know, was it the most intriguing? No, you know, but like still though, it was the, in, the, the interest for me was the fact that at some point in time, you know, something's going to happen and who's sure. going to capitalize. And it's just like, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. And, you know, it's no different than like when you're running in a pack, you know, two by two by two, you know, you're waiting for something to happen, but I think you're waiting for something different. When yeah. there's, you're waiting for somebody to make a move when there's, when they're running in a big pack, you're waiting for a wreck. Sure. You know, and I would rather be waiting for a move than wait for the wreck. Yeah. I do think it's funny that like, after all that chaos, everybody running out on the last lap, Jesse Love dominating the race. Austin Hill still wins. Yep. The dude just can't be stopped. No, I mean, it's just so impressive. So impressive what he's doing. By the way, guess who won at Vegas last year in the spring? Oh, yeah. Austin Hill. Oh, yeah. It's his world, and we're just living in it. Yeah. Whenever, whenever he inevitably goes to the Cup Series full-time, and there's not a 21 United Rentals or Bennett transportation car in a drafting race, everybody will rejoice. Yeah, everybody will be like, ah, oh, we got a shot. Dang near, I think he dang near won Talladega last year too. Just nobody wanted to work with him. Yeah. So, I mean, cats off to him. Found a way to win when uh, literally the seas parted for him. Now, he did make a good move. I think that was Truex behind him maybe. Did make a good move to, to get out front. But, um, yeah, just it's comical that he found a way to win that. Yeah. Um, so this kind of got swept under the rug, not swept under the rug. It just kind of got lost in the shuffle with how great of a race we ended up seeing on Sunday. One of the more unique penalties assessed pre-race, Joey Logano, who started on the front row, which by the way, hats off to Michael McDowell for getting his first career pole after 400 some odd starts. But Joey Logano was sent to the back and had to serve a pass through, which that wreck on lap two really helped him out where he didn't really have to, you know, face the penalty of that. Um, he had, webbing on the inside of his glove qualifying on saturday for when like at all drafting tracks they put their hand out to kind of block some of the wind coming in to give them however much more speed that generates but they all do it so it's got to be worth something and that little bit of fabric right there was not in compliance with the safety standards of nascar and so they sent him to the back to start the race um you know you can't manipulate the car anymore, which teams still do. We're not naive to think they've just stopped messing around things on the car, but they've had to get really creative and webbed glove on qualifying day is definitely a new one. Listen, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's right. The, um, I tell you, that's creative. Like, <laughs> I mean, I get it's illegal. So I, I get it. I understand the penalty is the right penalty, but like, that's creative. I'll give it to him. Like, like my thing is like, I would love to know who came up with that. Was it like, was it Logano? Was it Paul Wolf? Was it an engineer and an aero engineer who like, who said, do you know what we could do? We could get webbed feet over here. Like, it's just, I would love to know. I, I really want to know how much of a difference it made. Did that, was that like a 10th of a second between him starting second and starting eighth or something like that like how much of an advantage did yeah. he really have and let's be honest i think the only reason he got caught is because he had an in-car camera 
Because right. they went back and reviewed it, and you can see him as he's holding his hand up, see the little webbing right there. It's like, well, that shouldn't be on a regular glove. And that's how they got dinged. Like, if he was just a mid-packer that didn't have a camera sitting over his head in the car, he probably would have gotten away with it. Well, and somebody pointed out last week at Daytona that he took his left glove off when he came back into the pits. Yeah. Oh, they've. I'm sure. I'm sure they've been doing this for a while. This is I'm, just something we're just now realizing. Like, how did we like this is genius well and that's that's what i love about nascar is innovation and again the, the next gen car is spec parts and you're not supposed to play you know outside the sandbox and all that kind of stuff but we've seen and teams have gotten caught for it and they've gotten hit with pretty stiff penalties they're still pushing the limits they're still finding ways to manipulate things like like rebuilding the spec parts with little traps and compartments in them that you would never see otherwise. Like the innovation's still there. They just have to get more creative to get away with it. And the latest being a webbed glove qualifying. Yep. So props to them. Uh, they got dinged with it. And look, Lagana was in the mix to win the race until they got caught up in one of those late wrecks. Like it didn't really hurt them all that bad. And he was able to work his way back to the front. But um, yeah, just gotta, gotta keep your eyes out for, for what the next advantage is going to be. Yeah. Um, as we go to Vegas this weekend, I posed this kind of situation a little bit earlier. This is the first real race of the year, as we used to like to call it, when, you know, you're done with super speedways, done with drafting tracks. Now we're going to a track that is more in line with what we're going to see on a week-to-week basis. Vegas, you know, Pocono, Michigan, um, uh, all those kind of intermediate type of tracks that, you know, speed and aerodynamics are going to come into play. With two weeks of the season being in, we still have a lot of questions about things. What is one question you're really wanting answers to this weekend at Vegas? So the, the Fords look really fast. Mm -hmm. My biggest question is, are they really that fast or is it just, they're that good at super speedways? It's a fair question. I mean, a Robert Yates uh, engines always brings good stuff to the super speedways and, Typically, when you know the Hendrick Motorsports cars were qualifying on the front row, guess what? There were Penske cars right behind them. Um, I'm going to kind of piggyback off your question. I'm curious in that. I'm also curious how sustainable front row success is. Yeah. McDowell sat on the pole. Todd Gillen led the most laps on Saturday, on Sunday. Like, dude was legitimately in position to win that race, gets caught up in a wreck himself. Um, do they like go back to being a 20th place team? This week at Las Vegas, and we're only looking at them at the super speedways and the short track and the um and the road courses. I don't know. Or I mean, is McDowell gonna be running in the top five all week next weekend? I don't know. We literally just learned about this tier one alliance at Daytona a couple weeks ago. Like this is yeah. also new and fresh. This will be the first chance to see how that translates to again a track that it's more traditional to what the rest of the schedule is like. Exactly. So I have no clue, but I'm very interested to see. Yeah, well, then one more, I guess one more question I kind of have, too, is, you know, the Toyotas don't really show up in qualifying, or they haven't in yep. races. Does that change? I don't know. By the way, um, you know what manufacturer has won every single National Touring Series race so far this year? Bow ties or no ties? Chevrolet, six for six through two yeah. weeks. I want to say that was, what, the first time it's ever been done? Never been done before. Unbelievable. And it's one of those things, like, you didn't even think about until somebody, like, points it out, and you're like, Oh, uh, yeah. Heck yeah, Chevy. It's impressive. Absolutely. Um, so we'll see if Ford and uh, Toyota can 
maybe get back on track at Vegas this upcoming weekend. Um, I did correctly predict Austin Hill to win the mm-hmm. Xfinity race. So I hold a two to one lead or two to zero lead as of right now. Another triple header coming up this weekend. Trucks on Friday, Xfinity on Saturday, Cup on Sunday. We'll start off with the truck series on Friday night. Well, he had a great truck, but he had no brakes. Mm. Uh, Christian Eckes ran a really good race, and uh, we know how good he can be a mile and a half, so I'm going to go with Christian Eckes. I felt really bad for him because he legitimately had one of the better trucks. It's just like, well, when the caution comes out or when I got a pit, I don't know what we're going to do, and they eventually had to take him behind the wall, but um, he's elevated McAnally Racing yeah. so much. Like He turned them into a winner last year, like a championship threat, and um, I think they're only going to get better this year. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Lane Riggs. Um, we haven't got to see his full potential through these first couple races because he got caught up with uh, got caught up in some stuff. But man, that 38 has been fast these past couple years with Zane Smith, particularly at these type of racetracks. I've, everything I've heard about Lane Riggs from the short track ranks is really good driver. Um, I'd be interested to see how he fares with just being able to go out there and run high speeds. Yeah. Um, uh, Xfinity race on Saturday. Uh, again, Austin Hill won this race last year. Can he start three for three? I don't think so, but I think he's going to be his teammate. I was very impressed with the way that Jesse Love ran the race on Saturday night. I mean, obviously he had a rocket ship of a car, mm-hmm. um, but as a dude that's just, you know, so young, I think that's what's so impressive with him is just you expect him to make mistakes, and he didn't make one. You know, the only mistake he had was the fact he didn't have enough gas. Yeah, you know, really out of his control. So, which, which the fact that they stayed out, like, and I told you, I was like, "There's no way he's going to make it to the end," and yeah. like, at least coming in top off, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, sitting from the cheap seats in the crowd, I said no because it's just one of those. How how do you how do you pit from the lead? True, you know, I mean, his teammate made it, so I mean, it was just kind of one of those that. um you know, it, it's just it's, but I I think he's in it. I think he I think RCR again. It's two weeks, so at the end of the season when they don't win another race, we can come back and say this is one of those you know cold takes exposed. But like, right. I think RCR is in for a monster year. I think so too, and I, I think you know we saw how much Kyle Busch elevated their Cup Series program last year, and Austin Dillon still kind of falling behind in that regard, but. Man, Austin Hill, him coming back to the Xfinity Series for another year. And, you know, he's not just good on drafting tracks. He's good literally everywhere. So that takes to the next level. I mean, we've seen that Love's just a really talented kid. I know we can't always tell that with guys coming from Arca, but yeah. he's been impressive through two weeks. I mean, this guy's led like 200 laps, won like three stages. Like, dude's legit. And um, I'm interested to see how he fares in his first like true, true mile and a half race this upcoming weekend. Um, yeah. I will go with the former driver of the two car though. Dude's finished second more times than we can count. Um, I mean, he's in a Gibbs racing car. Like these are the tracks that they thrive on. If he can't win here, I don't know where he can't win. I'm going to go with Sheldon Creed. Right. Sunday cup series, 400 miles out at Las Vegas. Uh, Christopher Bell won here last fall. Very exciting finish with him and Kyle Larson. Willie B won the spring race a year ago. Uh, who takes home the checkered flag on Sunday? So one of the questions I had was, are the Fords really as fast as they look? Mm-hmm. I think the answer is going to be yes. Okay. And I think the fastest Ford of them all 
is going to be out front at the end of the race. I think it's Joey Logano. I, I just, yeah. they just, I, I know that if you look, if you just look at their finishes, you'd be like, well, they're having a terrible start to the season. That, that team is clicking already. It feels like, and mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, he's won it. He's mile and a half plenty of times. And, you know, you just look at what they can do and, and the speed they'll potentially have. I think it could be a long day for the for the other drivers if, if he were to get out front and really just have a great car. Well, I'll go to the other side of the coin with the other manufacturer. We have the big question mark about is Toyota doesn't qualify great. Race is pretty good. I, there's just something about the way that that new Camry is designed that just tells me it's going to be really fast at a track like this. So I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin. Okay. So we both have Chevrolet finally not winning a race at some point this weekend it's got to stop eventually you would think but who knows they could be nine for nine by this time next week and it honestly wouldn't surprise me where you know these other manufacturers worked meticulously this offseason to get these new bodies are going to help them in all these ways and chevrolet is running the same thing from three years ago like lol we'll just keep winning then yeah but I'm excited for Vegas this weekend, excited to, to really get a sense of what everybody has in a non-drafting track sense and, uh, you know, see uh, see what this run of the next couple of races is going to be like. Yeah. So for Dalton Mullinax, I'm Tyler Head. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.